And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, June 3rd. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today. It's my good friend Nate Tyson. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Uh, yeah, this is this is a fun ranking. This is this was nice. <laughs> this was nice to really, I would say, get outside the box, but maybe get outside the comfort zone a little bit. Because I'll, I'll, I'll talk coaches all the time, and I could do that offense coordinators and play callers. But then once you get to GMs, really got to start thinking about these things. Looking at a different. Lot. We both had to close a lot of tabs, which I know that's. Oh my god. <laughs> It took me 10 minutes to start the podcast today because of how many tabs I had to close. The spinny pinwheel was just sitting on my desktop I had two for about windows. 10 straight minutes. One's the article I'm working on, one's this for this pod, and both of them had at least a dozen tabs open just on all these different a- aspects that I was looking at. So what we're doing today, we're ranking our top 10 GMs. This is an important – the set of rules yes. is often arbitrary and just something we throw in out of obligation. It's necessary to lay these out. I want to make this clear before we start. This is not a power ranking of the jobs that these guys have done recently or in their careers. This is if you were starting a team from scratch right now, every player in the league is a free agent. We're starting from square one. Who would you want to oversee your team? That is different than who has done the best job over the last five, ten, their entire careers. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And my, my list is built with that in mind. Some difficulties when it comes to this. There's an opacity with NFL franchises about what who does what within a building. So sometimes it's difficult to look at a singular GM and be like, oh, this is the person responsible for building this roster. Right. That could be the case for a million different reasons. For example, I have someone on my list who is not technically the general manager of his team because the owner is the general manager of the team and the owner's son is the executive vice football president of football operations. Oh, that's funny. I avoided it's, that one just to not get messy. That's so and funny. And we can get into why it's naughty and, and all of that, yeah. but this is true everywhere. And that's a specific case. A much more prevalent case are teams with a head coach that is kind of the figurehead overseer of the organization. That's why John Lynch is not on my list mm-hmm. because – I don't know what to do with John Lynch because Kyle Shanahan makes the football final decisions in San Francisco. So I think that this is complicated, but what I wanted to do here is just look at the processes that some of these franchises have followed and which ones we like and which ones we don't like. That's how I built my list. All right. If I wanted to create a set of principles by which I wanted to consistently build a football roster and try to win Super Bowls, who would I want to oversee those principles based on the jobs they have done during their time as NFL general managers. That's what I did. Yeah. It is not easy. No. We will go through this. I mean, it's a it's a top 10 list. You could do it in a lot of different orders. Yeah. So I don't want people to obsess about what the final order of this is. I think this was just a chance for us to step back and talk about the ways that these guys have overseen personnel departments and the way they've tried to build teams 
during their tenures. That being said, we have to start the show by talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick retired today. A singular NFL figure during my lifetime, during my time covering the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the league in 2005. Okay, yep. 2005. That was my my junior year of high school. Oh man! So my so my my fall of 2006, I went to college at Mizzou, two hours from St. Louis, where he was playing. Mm-hmm. So that's we started getting little pockets of Ryan Fitzpatrick around the time I was at the University of Missouri. He was my camp counselor, one of my camp counselors at the Manning Ca- Manning Academy that's, in Louisiana. That's incredible. So he was at when he was a senior, going to be a senior at Harvard. I was going to be either a junior in high school. I think, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, or yeah, going to be a junior or going to be a sophomore in high school. Yeah, so that's kind of funny. Like looking back, and he's still playing in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, was. seventeen years, ten teams. Yeah. I, I want to say I went to Arizona last year. If you guys have not read the story, I spent some time at Ryan Fitzpatrick's house that they have down there in Chandler with him and his family. Watching a man make breakfast for his seven children is an experience that I will never forget. He's making it on a restaurant-style griddle outside on their patio. So just, I mean, packages of bacon and sausage and just a vat of pancake batter. Just And watching them do it was wild. I mean, kids of all ages, like babies, toddlers, kids in high school, and they're all eating at the same stretch of countertop and we just kind of sat and talked. We sat, we talked for hours mm-hmm. about his career and about just the various stages of it. And he kind of broke it up into different sections. You know, there's the time in St. Louis where he framed his first check that was worth 200 bucks. <laughs> He's like, he never thought he'd get another one. That's awesome. He Then he gets traded to Cincinnati. And when you get traded to Cincinnati, it's like, oh, a team is investing in me. They're trading for me. They're putting an actual asset into me. I'm a backup quarterback now. He was Carson Palmer's backup, and then he obviously had that stretch where he got to start in Buffalo, and it was kind of his team, and he was that cult figure, and Fitzmagic happens, and there's this weird, lovable Bills team that has him and Stevie Johnson and Fred Jackson on it and Eric Wood, and now we have that character, and then he goes to the Jets and takes over as the starter because Geno Smith gets punched in the jaw. I mean, it's just a wild career, and then it fizzles out with the Jets. He's done. He's like, I'm out. I don't want to play anymore. Like, that was a horrible experience. He was pretty open about it. I mean, that second year with the Jets when they refused to pay him and all he he just wanted one year and like $15 million. That was it. And they just refused to do it. And then Dirk Cutter calls him when he's on a golf course the following offseason and convinces him to come to Tampa to back up Jameis Winston. And then he has that stretch in Tampa where he plays fantastic for like four games. He wears the Sean Jackson chain. I mean, a backup quarterback, a journeyman quarterback, has never had so many moments that are kind of burned into your brain in the way that Ryan's the Forrest Gump. He's the Forrest yes, Gump. Yes, he he's so he so so is. I, I mean, just a there's no there's never been anybody like him. I don't know if yeah. there will ever be anyone after him. And then the time in Miami, yep. like he goes yes. to Miami and he's it's supposed to be this joke of a team, yep. and they play hard, and he plays really well. He, there's that weird Tua situation. Yep. He comes in in the Raider game and throws that ridiculous pass on the left sideline. Will get his head ripped face off. Face over, pulled over I to mean, the side. Yeah, he. There's. I'm telling you. I mean, his career is just etched into my brain in a way that very few guys. I mean, even that, that played over a decade in the league 
ever will be. So yeah. I think we have to kind of sit back and acknowledge and appreciate what Ryan Fitzpatrick was to all of us. Yeah, he's he's the true mad bomber. I know that's a nickname for some other quarterbacks in Monica, but it's uh yeah, that's what he was. And what's so funny is his play style was so different than what you think his pedigree would be. Yes. The late round Harvard guy that you think would just be this surgeon from the backfield. And you know, he could do that, but nope. He was bombs away one after another. So it's an exciting style that's memorable. And uh, as opposed to, you know, what's the Neil Young line? Better burn out than fade away. But his is like he managed to stay for over a decade (laughs) while playing that style. So he got to do the best of both worlds. But no, just a hell of a career. And like like I said before, my first exposure to him was when I was in high school. And he was my counselor at the Manning Academy. And him, like Derek Anderson and others. And he was just telling stories up there and everyone up there was like, this guy's like funny. Like you, like you could even tell at the time that, that he was kind of like, I would say goofy, but like had a funny way about him. You know, it was him, him and Cooper Manning basically doing stand up. So then also going to the pros and actually having a career more than just like a little note footnote. Cause that's, that was the thing for years. Oh, he went to Harvard. How many Harvard guys have there been? Da, 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 da. And then it's like, now you just remember him as the player. And yep. which I think is just so cool um, that you can kind of overcome maybe that, footnote and become more a bigger part of the league history or league lore where we're doing a podcast years from now talking about him <laughs> like that's the type of career that uh, uh kind of like really is fitting for his style of personality there were two two things he said to me that really stuck out one was talking about the young guys on the dolphins and just about how young players in general they've rarely failed you know, these guys are the best guys in high school. Mm-hmm. They're the best guys in college for the most part. They're all Americans. They're the people who've kind of cruised through their football lives. And he just loved giving guys confidence. You know, like throwing up 50-50 balls to Mike Kosicki in practice. He really, George Gotze, who was a tight ends coach in Miami, told me this. And I think Fitzpatrick kind of echoed it. He really took a liking to Kosicki and just a, an attention to him. It's like, I'm going to throw him these balls in practice. I'm going to make him go get them and just just remind him consistently like you're really good yeah. <laughs> like you're really talented and i thought that process and just how natural but intentional he was as a leader and that was communicated to me by a bunch of different people lee smith brandon marshall a lot of different guys I, I think that's a really difficult thing to pull off yeah and it's it's difficult to be that kind of guy without it feeling fake or forced and yeah. it feels like with him it never was that's good and that. he was sitting there at his desk when we were talking and he was talking about some of the younger guys in the league and just quarterbacks in general and you know, throwing the ball out of bounds or you know taking a late sack or like doing something. He's just he was slamming his hand on the table. He's like, I fucking hate watching guys play like that. And you could just feel how aggressive he wants yeah. everyone to be that plays the position. And I think that came later in his career. I think that as he kind of came out of the Jets era and you watched him start to play in Tampa. It just you can't kill a dead man, and like he was yeah. the after that Jets experience, I think he was like he had no fucks left yep. to give, and just he pure see it in the way just, that he played. Yeah, and it was, and that's exactly what that was the phrase we used. He was like, "Just house is mine." I was playing with house money, had nothing left to lose, and watching a guy play like that is exhilarating. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really fun, and we just don't have that many guys that play the position like that anymore, for better or for worse. Yeah. And we've come to a place of quarterback efficiency. But a really cool experience getting to sit there and have that conversation with him. I will remember him fondly. I hope he gets to be on TV. Yeah, I, I would love to listen to him talk about the game and you know even his football education was interesting and the way he talked about when he play, went to Houston and that system with the Patriots where the quarterback controls everything and 
know, when you played for Chan Gailey, it was a lot of guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> just a lot of like, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. Like it's just four wide shotgun. We'll, we'll figure it out. You just kind of run around and we'll yeah. make it all happen. And then the Patriots is the furthest thing yeah. from that where everything is so regimented. And I just hearing him talk through that kind of stuff is really interesting. And I would love to watch him break down young quarterbacks and get pissed off when they throw the ball out of bounds and all of that stuff on Amazon every single Thursday. So <laughs> we'll see if that happens. No, I think that would really fit him and also just have the proper level of insight of, of you know, like you say, efficiency or, you know, screw it, like which is the fine balance that we talk about with these guys and his kind of line of thinking kind of is in line of thinking with how quarterbacks should be playing maybe in this day and age, you know, as more, as far as aggression and maybe where the game's going. So yeah, it might be good. Good to have him on TV. I would, I would love it. I think there's a lot of former quarterbacks or former players that are like, Oh, they should be on media. And I'm like, eh, no, no, no. They, they only can last about an hour <laughs> until they're running out of stuff to say. I don't think Fitzpatrick will ever run out of stuff to say or constantly or not constantly be entertaining i think he'd be perfect for that so i'm happy I wish for we could have seen. Life. <laughs> oh yeah i mean he's done okay he's done yeah. just fine for himself I, I i'm upset we didn't get to see him in washington last year that's really the only yeah. kind of thing i'd lament i wish he could have just had that one more year as the undisputed starter where it was his team yep. he hadn't gotten that many opportunities and unfortunately that was taken away but i think he's going to be just fine in retirement Absolutely. he was never going to be a backup no he was never going to be somebody who bounced around the league and held a clipboard and nope. no interest and for him to retire in this moment without ever having really been like a true backup recently without any chance to play, not surprising at all. Yeah. So I was not shocked to hear the news from Marissa. He's Mr. We Start recording this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Let's get into this. Here's how I want to lay this out. I want to talk about a couple guys who did not make our lists just initially. Then we're going to go 10 through 6 and talk about those guys and 5 through 1 and talk about those guys. I think that's the best way to kind of structure this conversation. So. I already mentioned John Lynch. John Lynch did not make my list. I don't know if he made yours. Uh, he did not. Okay. Did not. Same reasons. Same okay. exact reasons. So All right. yeah, I'm glad we were. And also. I'm glad we were on the same wavelength as far as putting that together a little bit. It's not as if they've hit all these home no. runs draft wise. I mean, it's they've done a decent job at, at finding players in interesting mm -hmm. ways. Like the Trent Williams trade is a good example. And, and they've retained their players. And they've really gotten the most of guys who were drafted even before they got there. Yeah. Like the Jimmy Wards of the world. And. Uh, so and even Eric Armstead, I think, was unleashed mm -hmm. by the way they started playing. I mean, it's a really good team. And the George Kittle, Debo Samuel kind of yeah. double dip over those couple years is incredibly impressive. But uh, John Lynch did not make my, my final list. Mickey Loomis also did not make my final list. Did not make my uh, <laughs> He's 65. Yeah. And the Saints have undeniably had a ton of success. It's not how I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's partially why he did not make my list is that. It's just it's, not the way I would want to do business as an NFL team, yeah. even though it's worked like gangbusters for them. There, yeah, I, I don't want to give away, but there's an aggressive guy in there that I did make my list, but that is, <laughs> it's it's hard to live that way. And it's a lot to take in, especially <laughs> if I can start fresh with all my assets and do whatever yes. I want to do. Yeah. I, I you wouldn't have him for very long. I don't want to live that life <laughs> for, for all too long. So, yeah. And, you know, of course. It, him too with Loomis too is how much does Sean Payton have an effect on those guys? Absolutely. So that's Even Jeff Ireland. Yes, I mean, and Jeff Ireland. Guy, yes. The guy who's, I mean, he, yep. Mickey Loomis oversees that organization yes. in a very big way. Yep. I think he's done a fantastic job. But again, there's a little bit, it's a little murkiness as yep. far as how that organization actually works day to day. And, and you'll hear me a couple times on this list 
trying to kind of argue on both sides of my mouth about where where the kind of line is of who's a personnel guy who's making those decisions so yeah I, i'm sure you'll be the same way because there's gonna be, it's hard it's, it's, it's difficult so hard. It's, it's so hard once you're in those meetings stuff. every day it's so hard to determine who does who does what and who has what that what say on what there might be times where a gm who takes every pick and makes every pick all of a sudden goes oh we're talking old line old line coach what do you think or oh man oh we are the Steelers with how they do positions. Oh, our receiver scout. What do you think? Like they defer to that. So it's like, okay. But then, then you get to the argument of, is that good management or good decision-making? So I, I don't, it can, so, be. It can I, be, right? I, yeah. It goes both it ways. Does. So we'll get it into does. all of that. The last person I wanted to talk about is Andrew Barry. Okay. Uh, Andrew Barry would have been on my list. I don't know if he's on yours. He's not. Andrew Barry would have been on my list. I think it's just difficult. To talk about right now, yeah, with the after the Watson stuff, I, I just it, I, before that, I think a lot of the ways that he approached the job and just some of his team building philosophies and really offense first and going after young players in the draft yeah. and trading down and valuing and just the way they thought about positional value. I think a lot of the ways he was building the Browns is the ways are the ways that I would have, yeah. but the Watson stuff just I think muddies the water to the point where not really comfortable throwing him on there and, and talking about it in depth. Yeah. And then I, I, I have two other guys that didn't make my list. I just also want to give a shout out and it's just a preference thing. Uh, one is, and I can't believe this guy didn't make my list and I'm still like, I, like borderline one is Tom Telesco from the chargers. And he didn't make mine either. Okay. That, okay, good. I thought that would be a little edgy, but it's when you break it down and just how he's, how they've gone about things, they got, you know, the injury stuff for years and years that the Chargers have faced, you know, that's that's more probably ownership. But as far as just some of the asset stuff, who they've taken at what times, they've hit on some picks, like you know, uh, and and obviously they have talent there in the Chargers. Hitting on Justin Herbert is a huge feather in your cap. But as far as building the team, some of the other decisions that he's making, other positions has always kind of left me scratching my head. Maybe saying a guy too late, maybe taking certain guys, over drafting certain players, and that kind of cause some worry for me especially they always seem to have the same kind of consistent holes year after year maybe at the running back position outside Eckler tight end seemingly since um, um, Antonio Gates has gone on years and years ago so you're kind of like okay well you got to shore that up you can't just have these retreads or a little patchwork stuff so there's certain certain things with him that prevented me from putting him in my top 10 they have splashy players like when you even before Justin Herbert got there like in Justin Herbert's early seasons Derwin James, yeah. Joey Bosa, yep. guys that are stars. But Joey Bosa is the third overall pick in the draft. Exactly. You know, there are plenty of other moves they've made, even in the Herbert draft, trading up to go get Kenneth Murray. Yep. It's like, what are we doing? Why'd here? you do that? Yep. They have they have guys that are really name up in lights, marquee players. Yep. But the connective tissue of that team, like we saw last year. It's pretty barren yep. in certain spots. I mean, the front seven, deserve- it was Bosa and the Bosets. That was the yep. joke. But that's, I mean, that comes with the personnel they've drafted. The amount of overhauling they've had to do yep. since Daly has gotten there, I think, tells you what he probably thought of the roster when he took it over. Yep. And again, it's hard to parse out who deserves credit for rebuilding a roster right. that needed to be rebuilt after he got there. And yep. I think they do deserve credit for fixing the offensive line and the ways that yep. they've done that. But I feel comfortable leaving him off here. Okay. I think they do deserve a ton of credit for drafting Justin Herbert yeah. and what that is for them. But outside of that, I think there's 
been some, you know, stuff it's, left. It's more like, desired. hey, Tom, who'd you talk to about drafting Herbert? <laughs> was it Pep? Was, you know, <laughs> was it Lynn? You know, so one of the, and then the other guy I want to bring up too, and this is, this one hurt me not to have on my list because he's made a lot, he's drafted a lot of guys. He, he's a man after my heart with who they've drafted, and that's Joe Douglas. And he did not. I think it's too early. Way too early. And yeah. I, okay. That's what. Well, there's a guy I have on my list that's way too early, but that's. I'm, uh, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't see. have any of those. Yeah. But Joe Douglas, he drafts a lot of guys. But again, that was. I'm going to be talking about both sides of my mouth a lot on this show. But really, it was that. That's what it is. I have to see. Did he hit on the quarterback? I like a lot of the stuff he did. I understand a lot of the arguments, but now I have to see it come to fruition. Do Were those moves you know, justified or not. So he stayed off my list, even if I do like a lot of the kind of certain guys that he drafts. So if I had a meeting with Joe Douglas, if I were the owner hiring him, I'd probably be like, yeah, I like him too, Joe. Like, so maybe that's why he, he gets the honorable mention for me. Yeah, I just a couple of years in the job, we have yeah. still wait to see how yeah. all a lot of that stuff plays out. But the way he's gone about it, you could argue with some of the process stuff, trading up for the guard, yes. trading up for the running yes. back. But I, a lot of what they've done, I, I can get totally on board yep. with. So I think you and I are on the same page. All right, let's get going here. You 10 through 6, lay it on me. All right, 10 is my spicy one. 10 is my projection one, and that is Brad Holmes from the Lions. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, Kicking it off with the bang. With the bang. I won't get Want me to just keep listing, and then we can talk? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Keep, keep going. So keep 9 going. is Belichick. Okay. Belichick is not on my list. Okay, I was – yes, the, he – he was tough for me. Belichick is 70. I, that's, if I were starting a team, yes. I probably wouldn't pick Bill Belichick. Do I get five years with you? Like, you know, that's, yeah, yep. it's, I, that, that's the only reason. Nope. I mean, Bill Belichick, if this is past performance, then I think obviously Bill Belichick is probably number totally one. Totally get it. But that's not what this is. Totally get it. Nope. Totally, that, that's my arguments against him anyways. Eight is Jason Licht uh, for, with the Bucks. Uh, Jason Light. Light. Oh, fudge. Light. I always, I'm a very <laughs> verbatim. Enunciated. Jason Licht. Licht. Light. Jason Light. Jason Light. I knew that. I've, I've talked to him before. That's embarrassing. All right. Seven is Brett Veach. Six is Chris Ballard. And then that is my 10 through six. Okay. So we have some of the same ones. Okay. I'm wondering if I have guys on my list that you have higher. Okay. Yeah. My, so, my top three, I'm pretty set on. Like, I feel good about my top three. But other than that, it's a, it's a grab bag. One of the guys you just said is in my top three. Okay. So, okay. Okay. John Robinson is number 10 for okay. me. I well, we could talk about yep. it. Mixed first round results, yep. but I feel like they've found useful players at a lot of spots. I mean, AJ Brown, the second round picks that they've made, and I just think I really am impressed by the consistency they've shown over the last few years. And I think some of that's coaching, but also the self awareness they showed this off season was very impressive yeah. to me. And that's in we can talk about this as like a general philosophy thing, but your pivot points. Where can you pivot? Can you navigate me through some rough waters? And what they did this offseason to kind of say, all right, what, are, what is this going to be? What are we going to do now? And I think you look at the moves. Each of the moves, even if they burned them, wait, wait, I'm talking outside of the draft. Yeah. They were justifiable in the moment. Yeah. Trading for Julio. When they traded for Julio, I was like, I get it. I get it. This is like, yeah, you've, you've pried open this window. Yep. You have this team. and You have this hole now. I, I understand it. Uh, restructuring Ryan Tannehill's contract yep. to make room for Julio. Yep. Understand it. And it's left them in a precarious spot right now with how much money they have allocated to a unit that we think is worse than it was two years ago. But I understand everything they've done in the moment. Yeah. Continuing to double down on that, that would have been a mistake. Yes. And they didn't do it. Yes. So now it's like, all right, what does this transition look like? So it's the consistency combined with I'm impressed with them, even in the draft this year, where they traded down with the Jets 
and then they got McCreary in the second round, and they got Petit Ferrer in the third round. So just to, to get a sec, an extra third to make that trade down, that's just understanding where you are. Yeah. It's like we just need to start accumulating some players again. Like we're in a pretty awkward spot. So I, I don't know. I've just appreciated the job that they've done over the last couple of years. Also, the Ryan Tannehill trade is one of the best moves that any NGA. general manager has made in the last five years. Yep. It's easy to forget now because of the price tag next to his name. But what they did to get really high-level starting quarterback yep. play and to do that and not just commit to Mariota because. Yeah. To, to actively seek out an alternative to Mariota in that moment, I think, is, again, a level of self-awareness that a lot of other general managers have not shown. Yep. Where it's like, oh, it, we're going to hope the guy works out. And they didn't do that. And it put them in a spot where they're hosting playoff games. And they're, they never got there, but they were pretty close. And that offense was pretty damn good with a quarterback that they got in a really creative way. I also, so, I've always liked that, that he... I should say like sometimes it's to their detriment, but they do have a type uh, that big and fast, you know, big, big fast, physical. Big, fast I mean, they physical. Are, I'm they fine are, with that. Like they have a version of that yep. team. You can it can give you blinders. Sometimes that's a weakness. And that's even for me. I, this is self-evaluation for me because I lean towards the same types of guys. And but if you have that, it really gets you onto a path that works for you as far as a style of play, what we can do, the types of guys we get. And you're never going to be wrong going for the bigger or faster guy <laughs> i mean it's just it's just physics um and so I, I i've always do i do like that they do have a type even if it does sometimes lead to blinder moments even some of the every single bad veteran free agent move that they made i think was offset by a pretty decent one the budget pre-move not a fan would never yeah. do it would never pay him 60 million dollars no. it's not something i'm gonna do denique Autry was awesome yeah for them last year they signed for seven million bucks a season right Going to get to Norris Jenkins last year for seven million bucks or whatever it was, and moving on from Adoree Jackson to do that, they they've been smart with a lot of those moves. Ben Jones was an awesome free agent signing yes. that played to the end of his contract. Roger Saffold, while expensive, was really yes. good for Set them the tone as for they them. were exactly yep. trying to figure out what they wanted to be in their identity yep. on offense. Even the, the Robert Woods. I was move, just gonna say the Robert Woods it, is gonna be a solid move for them. That it, is a savvy decision yes. as you're trying to navigate this weird transitional yep. period for what your roster is and so what better guy to have teach a young receiver than robert woods uh, i mean he's gonna be teaching Traylon burks day in day out that that is just one of the best minds in the receiver room that you can have my number nine is will mccoy okay yeah i i, I know he's not a gm I know, but if if i were picking somebody to start running my it. team i'd be totally okay with it we can talk about that in a second eight i had brett veach seven i had brian Gunkunst. okay and six, I had Jason Light. Okay. 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 So let's talk about McClay for a minute. Okay. I love the Cowboys process. Like, we talk about the Cowboys because of Jerry Jones as this flippant, kind of rash organization. And their personnel moves are not that at all. Yeah. They're a meticulous team. They're consistently getting a bunch of comp picks. Um, He's overseen their draft since 2014. Their drafts since 2014, we've talked about this, are pretty fucking good. Yes. They've gotten a lot of really good players. Yep. And even moves that aren't that splashy or big draft picks. The Robert Quinn trade. To trade a fifth-round pick for Robert Quinn, and then after the year after, the Bears give him $15 million a year, $14 million a year. Anybody could have traded a fifth-round pick for Robert Quinn in that moment. The Cowboys did. The Amari Cooper trade, yep. I thought, was a smart deal and something they needed to do. So there's been enough aggressiveness combined 
with them really sticking to their plan. The J-Ron curse contract from yes, last year. Yes, that's, that's a huge one. To go like, all right, here, here's a million bucks. Yep. You're going to play this very specific role within our defense, and this is what you do. Getting and solid it, play out of replacement level contract. That is, yes. That's the goal of the game. <laughs> it really is. And they've done a really good yep. job of that, I think, in certain areas on defense. And then going to get superstar level players. Yep. I mean, Micah Parsons is that guy, and they've done a decent job of really finding high-level guys in the draft. And yep. So I just think they've done a really, really good job, and that's why he's on there for me. Where was Veach for you? Uh, Veach was seven. So he was eight for me. Yep. I, it's some people I think hard. would argue that he should be higher. Yeah. So and and but he's not for either of us. So talk me through why he is not higher on your list. One is how much say does Andy Reid have? Uh, because Andy Reid is very it's fair, very into their personnel decisions. So that wasn't even a, that much of a factor for me, and he's still an yep. eight on my list. Uh, mine would be. I'll, I'll go positives first. Is that I would say this past year I became more of a fan of Veach because of the bingo the, since like may since like april of 2021 yeah. i'm a much bigger fan yes. of him than i was before it was the because before i was like okay you hit on my homes and then you've just whiffed since then like that's what it felt like anyways and now this past year understand we talk talking about understanding and self-awareness is going to be such a repeated line in this because i think what they did last year because they had the glaring holes in the offensive line Getting exposed in the Super Bowl will do that to you. Um, but I think shoring up the offensive line, understanding what their weakness is, what their weakness was, and turning into a, a huge strength. Um, even this past year, uh, you know, getting rid of Tyreek Hill, um, adjusting their receiver room based on what I think they're going to do on offense there, moving on from Honey Badger and getting Justin Reed because they want maybe more of a sound tackling type who can uh, provide some like variability back there and do some whole bunch of things. But really overcoming the misfires the frank clark deal sucked <laughs> um the ceh pick i think it was reed influence but still that's hard to you know you gotta put your foot down at some point um uh, but that's that's why i was down on him and again i'll say this past year made me a little bit higher on him so i think spot seven is where i feel a little bit better about him i really do think they're going to come out maybe this revamped chiefs team i'll become even a bigger fan of him of how they've kind of adjusted their whole franchise if you look at the moves before the 2021 offseason, the one where they got all the offensive linemen. It's a mixed bag, man. Yeah. I mean, you, the Frank Clark trade is rough. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, what they gave up for him and the contract. Yep. I mean, to, to give up all of that and to give him a massive contract, yep. I mean, that's it's just a tough move. Yep. It did not work out for them in the way that they wanted it to. Sammy Watkins deal in 2018, not a good contract. Nope. I mean, they gave him so much. They? they gave him like yes. a huge deal. Yeah. There have been some swings and misses yep. at, at certain positions. Tyron Matthew deal, really, really good. Yes. Decision. I mean, that yes. that one works out well. It was $16 million a year for Sammy Watkins in 2018. Million. Oh, my 2018 goodness. Million, $16 million a year. 9% of the cap, average annual value. It's oh a lot of money for Sammy Watkins. That's a lot of money. And there have been some of those. And the draft history is not very good. Nope. I mean, the CEH pick, I think you can be criticized. McCole Hardman is kind of a hat on a hat with what their <laughs> offense was at that point. And some of the defensive front players yeah. that they've taken in the first couple of rounds, Breland Speaks, I mean, those guys have not really worked out. Yep. But all that being said, I think what they have done over the last two years is extremely impressive. Yep. The offensive line revamping was really well done. Yep. I mean, getting it from a bunch of different directions, being able to go out and – I mean, when you give a guy $16 million as a guard, it's that's not hard to do. <laughs> but I think picking the right guy yep. is an important part of that process, somebody that's never hurt, somebody who has positional flexibility – he had that one game where he just popped out to left tackle. 
I mean, very few guys can do that as smoothly as Joe Tooney can. Uh, The Orlando Brown deal, would have liked to have seen them sign him immediately after making that trade rather than playing the waiting game and doing the dance they're doing now. But a creative way to go find a plug-and-play starter at that spot. And what they did with the two rookies. I mean, to do that in one offseason is remarkable. And to understand we have to do it, I think they deserve credit for that. And what they did this offseason, it's like this is how we need to transition into this next phase of who we are. I, I'm i on board with every single aspect of yep. it. I, I was hoping that they would use some of those picks to revamp the defense with some younger players. You pick a pass rusher, you pick a corner. It's like this is a new look version of who we are. Yep. This is phase two of the Mahomes era. And I really like how they've gone about it. Over the first, last couple of years, I think it's really easy to overlook some of those mistakes just because Patrick Mahomes is so good. So good. It's, so it's great. And that and they deserve credit. He deserves credit for drafting him and for making going up and making that move. A ton of credit. But I think that that was really the that was the jewel yeah. surrounded by some not so pretty stuff over the last couple of years before, in my opinion, the last couple of seasons. It's the shining light in a whole bunch of darkness. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, that's what it is right there. But yeah, I yeah, not much more to add, but that I think you summed it up perfectly. And you can be really aggressive. Yep. When you have that yes. guy. And I think some of the aggression is fueled by the fact that we have this thing to hang all of the rest of this up. Yep. If we make some mistakes and we get a little bit over aggressive, we can always fall back on having this guy. And I think that should drive some of your decision making. At the same time, though, that aggression was not always pointed in the right way. Yep. Nope. Totally agree. Uh, I think and now they're entering this new phase of their team of Mahomes is now full on of that contract. And now it's all going to be about the bank of Mahomes and how you can trade against that and switch the guarantees with that and accumulate more money for your cap. So I think that's this next step for him is going to be interesting. And Andy Reid's only getting older. So seeing these next couple steps for the chefs chiefs team can maybe even see him shoot up this rankings or maybe, maybe go, Oh, maybe the Frank Clark deal was really more of an insight of how he thinks. So you never know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, so let's backtrack to Brad Holmes at 10 for you yeah. very quickly. I, lay this on me because I'm very interested in why you have him that high. I, I don't mind it yeah. at all. I'm just wondering. It's If there's all these kind of younger guys, and I do, again, this is another guy. I think he has some influence from his head coach. I can see the path they're trying to go on. And I think that is really, really cool to see for a guy that's only entering his second year as a GM. Uh, but I could see the culture that they're trying to build in Detroit. And again, that's a reflection probably of the head coach they have, but that's also good 
kind of insight to maybe their thinking and showing that like he understands what they are. I, I like the moves they've made. They have not rushed to anything. They short up, not short up the offense line. They boosted the offense line with Sewell last year. They didn't get, you know, oh, we got to get a receiver now. We They've stayed patient with all these moves, even though they moved up back up into the first round to get Jameson Williams. I thought that was a great understanding. And they really, it was a, it depends on what the trade chart, yada, yada, yada. They but still didn't give up that they much. Didn't give no that much what chart they got a second at. rounder back. Like, I thought that was, it's a nice move. And you're not going to get a Jameson Williams type in every draft, especially for a team that needed team speed. So it all made sense. The DJ Chark signing, even for one year. I like that. Like that, that fit into there. Um, just also just the, uh, this is more of a reflection of the coach, but they, you know, they play hard with that. But I also think the types of guys they're getting, a coach can say they want certain guys. Uh, coaches, every uh, position coaches, coordinators, head coaches, they come in and said, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy. Take it for a GM to kind of take that and translate it into something that works and doesn't, you know, put you, make you bankrupt or, 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 dock something down in the future or down the road. I like that the patience that the Lions have shown. I know it's only year two. I get it. But I think these first couple steps that they've taken as a franchise, they were going nowhere before that Stafford trade. And understanding, hey, might as well just, like, let's boost this rebuild a little bit. Let's just get going. Let's reload. Let's go. I just really like that understanding, that self-awareness they've shown so far. So it's kind of a projection pick, a prospect. He's my GM prospect right now so that that's why i, I that, love that yeah. though because that's what this is yep. this is not about past performance this is about all right what process have we seen which ones can we get on board with and i don't disagree with any of that yeah. and here's what i'll say there's been a lot of good feelings around the lions over the last couple months I know, we gotta understand what they are <laughs> i i think we might be getting a little ahead of yeah. ourselves here yeah like six we wins is a good year like i i, yes. I, I hope people understand yes. that like yeah it, i'm just it makes me worried about lions fans yeah i just want guys it's going to be – I'm not saying you're the ones doing no. this. I'm just concerned about your emotional well-being you. based on what this conversation feels yeah. like. It was it's, it's, it's excitement to be like kind of you know watchable. It's not, it's not a like, oh, we're, we're storming the playoffs and everything. If they make the wild card, that's awesome. Good for them. But it's like I think anything above six wins is a, is a victory for the Lions franchise, not 10 wins or 11 wins. That's, you should shoot, shoot for a more reasonable number. <laughs> I will be very curious to see what the quarterback move ends up looking yeah. like. If it's next offseason, they have that extra first-round pick to be able to go back up to 13 and get Williams and not have to give up that 2023 20, first yes. that you have. I mean, maybe you're picking sixth and you got another one. It's not that hard to maneuver. I mean, they could – they found this really nice little sweet spot where they're bad, mm -hmm. but everyone feels good about it. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. Yep. And they've managed to do that. And if they go 6-12, and 12, or how many games six are there? 17. <laughs> they go 6-11 and 11 this year, and they end up with the sixth pick. And if they want to give a team yep. that doesn't – let's say the Jags finish with the second worst roster or record in the league this year, very much on the table, yep. and you want to move from 6-2, to two, and you have – I think the Rams are going to be pretty good. Uh, let's say that you have the 28th yeah. pick. You want to give that to the Jaguars to move from 6 to 2. That could have easily happen for you. Yep. So there, a lot of these teams, we're talking about, all right, they have multiple first-round picks. Can they be within striking distance of going to get another quarterback? I think teams like the Eagles mm -hmm. and some of these other teams might be a little too good for that to easily happen. I think the Lions are going to be bad, but in an endearing way. Yep. And still be in range to potentially get their quarterback in a draft that you already like. Yes, they'll have a little little bow on them. No matter, what. it's going to be a whole lot of like they, you know, like a thirty-one twenty-six loss, and we're like, man, see how hard those lines were competing. 
Man, that was fun, perfect. wasn't it? Wasn't that it's great? <laughs> as long as the guys are they're enjoying going to work every day, yep. they're still invested and they're losing enough games. Yeah. This is just, chef kiss lion season. Just win over, you know, four home games so the home fans have fun. You know, that that's what you do have to, have to do at Ford Field. Jason Light was on both of our lists here near the top five. Yep. What a turnaround <laughs> it has been for Jason Light and for the Tampa this Bay the guy traded up for a kicker. <laughs> That 2016 draft is rough. Yeah. Not even just trading up for the kicker. Vernon Hargraves, Noah Spence in the second round, and then they traded up for the kicker. Since then, it is very easy to write off Jason Light on a list like this and say, well, Tom Brady's great. Yeah. Congratulations. you went and got." First of all, they went and got Tom Brady. A lot of other teams could have gotten Tom Brady. Yep. They assembled a roster that was good exactly. enough that Tom Brady wanted to come there. Yes. And I thought that roster was – I got receipts. You can go to the ringer.com. When they signed Tom Brady, I was like, that team is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a really good team. And then they went and they got Tristan Wirfs and Anton Winfield in the draft. I was like, that team can win the Super Bowl. Yep. And they did win and the Super did. Bowl. It, there are a few things associated with the drafting they did in the pre-Brady times that I find – not even just the drafting, but mm-hmm. the team management they did in the pre-Brady times that I find impressive. Cap was always clean. Mm-hmm. Even when they were missing in the draft, they never offset or they never compounded the issues in with missing in the draft by making knee-jerk moves in free agency. Yep. They, they did not do that later on. They had some – his first free agent class is like an all-time – it's like Michael Collins. You remember that? Yeah. That group. And that was, was all-time bad. But later on, as we've gotten a little bit more recent, their cap was very clean. They did not have any of those contracts. And I thought that was the restraint to not be like, oh, man, we need to go get some guys to fill those holes. Their biggest problem area was the secondary during that time. And that 2018-2019 stretch – all of those dice rolls they took in the second, third, fourth round at DB, and they hit. Mm-hmm. Jordan Whitehead, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis. Uh, MJ Stewart was even a guy yep. they drafted that eventually became a useful player elsewhere. I mean, they really, Jamel Dean, they it doesn't did always a have really to be good stars. job. I think that's what people yes. forget. Yes. It, good starters is a win. It, it, yes. Outside the first round, I mean. But if you get a good starter, that is a win on any draft pick. I mean, think about the other. I mean, Chris Godwin get, getting Godwin. him in the third round. Yes. Ali Marpet. I mean, yes. they just did such Their a good offensive job. Offensive line drafting has been great. Their receiver yes. drafting has been great. I mean, it's consistently, consistently, year after year. And offsetting that with, I think, really shrewd moves in free agency. Yep. Like the Shaq Barrett move. Shaq Barrett. The first time they did it for $4 million. Yep. One of the best free agent signings in recent memory. Sack guy for, for $4 million. For what he was yep. at that point. Uh, they, they've done a really, really good job. So just And so they're drafting and how they've approached it they're a trade up and down team but you have to look at what each of those actually represents so this year's draft is a perfect example for me they trade down with the jags they get a fourth round pick to move from i think 27 to 33 and they get logan hall anyway okay they that's probably who they wanted at 27 they get a fourth round pick in the second round they move up three spots to go get luke gadecki They only give up a sixth-round pick to do that. They moved ahead of the Vikings, who were going to draft an interior offensive lineman in that spot. So you're getting value when that's all said and done and moving up strategically and understanding Mm -hmm. why you should be doing all of that. I think they've done that pretty consistently during his time there, even if they do trade up every so often. I love this this draft that he put together. Like I I really do. I think they might have gotten four starters in their first four picks. I love the tight end. 
uh, Kate Otten. I loved uh, Rashad White, the running back they drafted in the third round. Otten is the fourth round pick they picked up in that trade, by the way. And that was, yeah. And that's, he's, I think he's going to be a bona fide wide tight end in this league. And also trading for Shaq Mason. Like, I mean, they, they Shaq Mason is another one. That's what I forgot. Yeah, I, I mean, I forgot the, to mention. just all this stuff accumulates. It, it, it does. And it's a, it's a perfect, I know we're talking about what we would do with this team, but it showed me that they have a perfect understanding of, yes, we have Tom Brady, but we also have to, you know, make sure this team's okay for life after Tom Brady. So I, I just like that. They, it's just tangible starters. It's not trying to just keep swinging for the fences that maybe if we get a star right here, it's like, no, let's just get solid starters that might have some upside. And that, that matters. And uh, uh, NFC is wide open. I mean, I just really, I really, really like what he's done basically after that horror draft class or, or a couple of, rough draft classes early on. I mean, I really do think that just, it, it speaks a guy, even like a guy like Cameron Brait, like just finding guys like that, like tangible, tangible guys throughout the draft that it really matters. It really does. Winfield in the second round, uh, I mean, yep. they've just consistently found really useful players. Yep. So I, and the one big free agent contract they really handed out to an outside guy was Ryan Jensen. Yeah. And think about what that's done for them. Right. I mean, just the perfect guy to kind of reshape the feeling of your offense and understanding what sort of presence that you need. So I I think that he's done a really good job. All right. Your number six is Chris Ballard. We'll we'll save that because he is in my top five. Yes. Okay. So, all right. Five through one. All right. Lay it on me. All right. First, number five, Les Snead. And this is, I trouble with with Snead because it's, the Rams are their own thing. Like, I mean, they, they live in a world that no one even comes close to. The Saints live in their world. The Rams live in their own world. But I love aggression. I love kind of, under, again, self-awareness, understanding what your window is, understanding what your team. They've taken it to the extreme. But I also just moves like, I don't know, the Jalen Ramsey trade. I know you're giving up a lot for him. But you don't get, those guys aren't on the market unless you have a top five pick, a top ten pick. And the Rams are, they're like, we're competing. When Sean McVay is our coach because Sean McVay wants to compete. He's not going for young guys. So he wants to compete right now and then go work in TV. So it's understanding his <laughs> <laughs> understanding his situation. So let's get the top corner in the game. He's available. Why not? These guys never come available, especially at that age. Stuff like that. I, I really like the Stafford deal. Yes, it led to the, the glory land. And I know this, is, this sounds results-based, but it's also the process of understanding what their window is. Their window was, we're trying to keep this window wedged any way, type, any way we can. And I don't care what what the future might uh, uh, behold, you know, and I like that. I like that aggression, but also understanding, OK, if we do live in this world of aggression, what else do we have to do? We have to get really freaking good at, at drafting middle rounders and understanding these guys have one and trade. accumulating middle round yes. picks, what? I think, is the other part yep. of this. It's not just pure aggression distilled and shot into your eyeballs. No. It's it's aggression offset with a patient approach at other areas of your it's, team building process. And I know this. And is, I think that's crucial. Yeah. It's understanding the repercussions of your actions. Like it's, yes. I mean, if in basketball, if you shoot a whole bunch of threes, how do the rebounds come off long? So it's get guys that can get the rebounds on the long rebounds. It's understanding if you play this way or you build a team this way, what are the, the effects of that positive and negative? So I, I just like the Rams go, this is the world we live in. Okay. This is what we have to do from here. So that, yeah, <laughs> they have an approach. Yes, they and, and they have an approach. That I don't know how replicable it is. I don't know if I would trade away all those first round picks, but they have a thoughtful way that they've yeah. done this. It isn't like, YOLO, let's fucking no. go. Like, that's not how this is. Nope. And the other part of it is I like their process as with individual players that they followed. Cooper Cup is a perfect example to look at the GPS mm-hmm. numbers at the senior bowl 
to not even go to the senior bowl anymore because like we can get the shit we need. We don't, we, I don't, I'm not going all the way down there. Even that is, I think, commitment to a process yeah. and a commitment to a way of doing things. And they've done that. And I do think that they've gotten a couple breaks along the way. Yep. And having Aaron Donald is a really nice part of this. Yep. A lot of that. I think Sean McVay is a huge influence on what that team is. I think that some of yes. their mistakes have been overshadowed because they have a coach like that, yep. the same way San Francisco has. To do that well. It's <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there are, there are, there are plenty of those. Yeah. Every team has those. Right. But I think that you can see what their vision is, and I appreciate that they have one, and it's a thoughtful one. Yes. They have looked at what – all right. Do, can we find an inefficiency here? Can we find one here? What if we do it a little bit differently here? I think that willingness to be different, even if it were to take a different form later on, yeah. the ability and just guts it takes to embrace a mindset yeah. like that, I think it can take different forms as the league shifts and changes. But that's what I want. Yeah. I want somebody who's going to be willing to think about things a little bit differently, and that's exactly what he's been willing to do. He was number four for me. Okay. Yeah, well, just you have to have confidence to think – Yes. So anyone can think different in theory and, you know, we all have grandiose ideas about, oh, if I was doing this, but the fact that you just commit to it and continue to commit to it, they haven't blinked. They haven't got, maybe this wasn't the right decision. Maybe we should start, you know, reshuffling everybody. I don't think Sean McVay would allow them to, but it's also, uh, but I also think it's just, I, I like that. I, I just, I just really have liked that they understood the after effects of what this approach does. And it's like, okay, so how do we have to look at prospects? How do we have to look at the draft? How do we have to look at free agents? Agents, what they this world that they built like what is the you know the canon in that world so I, I i like that and so if and it's funny because brad holmes came from the rams with the lions and his he's got a totally different approach so it's not like he's just going i i think that speaks to maybe with less need just going this is our world and now we, this is our sandbox how do we play in it who's so, number four for you howie roseman who i i sniped up there four why why are you smiling i i was th i thought it was going to be crazy for me to put him at five okay and so i have him at five I have him we, at let's so keep going through okay. yours and we'll talk about how when we start mine uh number three brian gutekunst for the packers okay nicely done that was very thank smooth you. by thank you, you. Just thank say goody He's goody that's well that's what i want to call him, but then i was yeah. like oh i have to actually say this it's like yeah uh and then my one two is almost like a one a one b but i went two i went brandon bean and then one, I want Eric DaCosta for the Ravens. I really, I really wish this was going to be the moment where we had a bunch of different shit we could argue about. Do we have the and same? It's pretty much the Aww. same. All right. So at five, I had Howie Roseman. Okay. Four, Wes Snead. Okay. Three, I had Chris Bauer, okay. which we can argue about if we want to. Two, I had Eric DaCosta. Okay. And one, I had Brandon Bean. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear your reasoning for why Howie Roseman is in your top five. Oh man, I asset accumulation. That is okay. That that's cut and dry. My my number one. Uh, because as a talent evaluator, I it caused some hesitancy for me. Uh, I I'm I'm not gonna lie. I, if you asked me this question two years ago, Howie probably wouldn't make my top ten. And I think just this past two ish years, I've really <laughs> two years ago he was like. Like two years ago would have been bad, but like four years ago, he was removed from just winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, so. I know. It's yeah. So yeah, two years ago. Yeah, th it's but that's Howie, I guess, because uh, that draft record from 2016. There have been some ups and yes. some downs. So if we were looking at the entire body of work, yeah. I could understand him being a little bit lower here. But the process stuff is why I have him higher on my list. I think he's learned some lessons, and I that, I absolutely that's think he has. that's where I'm. 
you know, that's where I'm like more optimistic, glass half full with him. But yeah, just finding hidden margins in trades. I love how he goes about free agency as far as, you know, finding guys for certain deals. Uh, Jordan Maialata, like, like sign that's a free agency, but signing guys early. So you can, you know, yes. it's more rewarding down the road when that contract hit, hits They've in. They've consistently done that. And too. Yes. And that it's, that's like just a, it shouldn't be a hidden margin, but it really is because the NFL teams kind of like are hesitant to do that. And that's trusting yourself on self-evaluation, which I think is so important as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, that's really what it is for me is I, I like that. I like the aggressiveness, the red paper clip of, of, finding trades and just finding more assets to find understanding the stuff with the cap, even though they were in cap hell, uh, but how they've navigated out of that. I, I, I just like the plan that they put together. And like you said, there's ebbs and flows with his career. So I'm basing this more off of the glass half full from maybe the last two seasons uh, that, that he's kind of gotten out of the muck uh, that, that he put himself in. So that's kind of the funny part about it. That's, that's part of it. Yeah. Getting what they did for Carson Wentz is amazing. Amazing amazing yeah and, but they also created that problem for themselves right. so there's been plenty of that i just love how aggressive they are without being without leveraging themselves and making their team better yeah he is just always going to look how can my team be better yeah. tomorrow they never play themselves like they they their self-evaluation is very very good i think the, the evaluations of individual players yeah. have been rough that 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 aspect of it has been rough at times. The the Jalen Ragers oh. and the JJ Arthega White yes. sides and all of that. That and I mean Andre Dillard is a miss in the first round. There have been plenty of those. Yes. But a lot of teams have those stretches where they draft like shit. I mean, there was a draft right in the middle of that where they got Dallas Goddard, Devontae Maddox, yeah. Josh Sweat, and Jordan Mailata. That was their draft. That's pretty that's good. That's a good draft. That's a pretty good <laughs> haul of guys. Yeah. I think drafting is probably gonna come back close to even. Over time, it probably is. Yeah. So what does the other stuff look like? And to me, the other stuff, trading a first-round pick for A.J. Brown, I'm in, man. I liked it. I, I, 25-year-old A.J. Brown for a contract that is you know, reasonable. fairly reasonable when you actually yeah. look at the realities yep. of it. Like The average is inflated because of what that final always, year is. Always have to remember his age and the other guys getting these deals. That yes. is like, And they traded less to get him. Yes. I mean, they traded less to get him. Yeah. And that contract, it, it's not as bad. You still have the one cheap year. That you're going to get him for like two million dollars, and then that final year of his deal, there's no way he plays on that. Mm -hmm. So that contract actually looks pretty good when you dig into the nitty gritty of it. The Darius Slay trade to give up a third round pick yeah. and a fifth round pick for Darius Slay, going to get James Bradbury, the, what they just did. Yep. What happened with Mylotta? Yep. There are a lot of success stories about player acquisition on this team. Yep. You can't look at a roster like the Eagles; it's pretty darn good, and not appreciate the ways they've accumulated the players. Yeah. And it's not like they're trading up for guys all the time. They do it. They pick their spots. Mm -hmm. You know, they trade it up for Jordan Davis. Mm -hmm. But the Jordan Davis part of it also leads me to something that I like. They're going to build up front. Like, they're going to build the lines. And even though Howie's not a football guy, he believes in that. And that it infiltrates their decision-making and their processes all over the place. And they have certain values that I appreciate. It's going to be an offense first team. Yep. They have an offensive-minded head coach. He's going to call the plays. I think that is going to be a guiding principle of the way that Howie wants to do business, and I tend to agree with that. Mm -hmm. I also am impressed with the amount of people they've pumped out of that front office. Just... The amount of guys, Joe Douglas's and the Andrew Berry's and the Catherine Reich's, and I mean, they have people that other people want, mm -hmm. people that other people want to go get and want to be part of their organizations that have worked for the Eagles. 
might be people not wanting to work there anymore. But they have developed a lot of executives, and I think that that is something worth looking at. Yeah. So a lot of different reasons, and I just think the pivot points. Yeah. Just the, the flexibility that they've given themselves and the thoughtfulness about do we zig where other people's at. Yep. And he's a divisive figure. Like, there's no way around that. And I understand why he is, but if we were just starting from scratch and talking about how I'd want somebody to run the team day to day, if I, all right, here's all the money in the world. Like you can have all the cash. There's nothing stopping you resource wise. And that's essentially what it's been in Philadelphia. Yeah. Jeffrey Lurie is not willing to throw the money around. He's not hesitant to throw the money around. It's looked pretty good. I, I can get on board with a lot of the things they've done outside of some individual draft picks. It, it's, it's a good insight of not doing stuff just cause. They don't. They don't just do stuff just cause. Just cause. Like, why'd you do that? Ah, just cause. Like that guy was available. Everything. There's a plan for everything. Sometimes it doesn't lead to success, but sometimes it does. And I don't know. I appreciate that. It's funny how, how in, the, in this world where these guys are making millions and millions of dollars, that we're just like applauding just reasonableness and organization skills. But sometimes that's here enough. we are. Here we are. Sometimes that's enough. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right. You had Ballard at six. Yes. Okay. Why is he a little bit lower for you than he probably is for me? I love, again, another guy understands assets, understands what the draft is with coin flips, understands to be patient. But sometimes I want him to fucking plant his foot and do something like that I know. <laughs> that is that's my only negative with him so maybe just light a fire under him uh but other than that but i mean the wentz thing we were t- we already talked about with howie he got out of it and th- that that's where we like he should get a feather in his cap yes he should get knocked down for trading for it but then getting out of it he did listen to his head coach like that is something too they're trying to communicate he was trying to have a plan as well i like just how they have a type at receiver. They have a type at certain positions. They they also go for bigger athletes as well. Traits, baby. Yep. It's going to be traits, 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 traits all the time. Highweight speed, but guys that can actually play, not just like true guys, like 
yeah, that's a whole nother argument. Uh, but it's I, I do like that all the I do I do like the patience. I I'm gonna I'm kind of saying both sides of it. I do like having patience and having like not we have all this money to spend. We don't just have to spend it all at once. It's understanding that guys are going to come up that we do want to pay that you never know when that next situation where you can find a guy is going to come up. So I do like always having that kind of the back of your, you know, in your back pocket. But I would say why I have them maybe a little lower is that sometimes I just want them to just, you know, strike. And I think the Matt Ryan trade was fantastic. And I think they put themselves in a position by being patient and getting that. So, yeah, kind of talking about both sides of my mouth, but that's why he's at six for me. I do get frustrated by how meticulous it can be at times. I do. I also know my own wiring. If I were picking a general manager as someone who always wants it all the time immediately, having somebody that's like, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. And he just sits right here all the time. You guys can't see my hand, but I'm making like the steady sign. He is just steady all of the time and that has drawbacks Mm -hmm. there are times where i wish like just go get somebody it's okay to make like one semi-flashy free agent signing but think about the guys they got this offseason trading for yannick Ngakwe, going to get stefan gilmore those guys aren't superstars but the ways that they went to get them and just how patient and not again leveraging themselves to go get guys like that and i just really really appreciate how committed they are to the ways that they see this stuff and just the self-awareness when it comes to the draft that we are going to accumulate draft picks we're going to pick players with traits that is how we are going to do this thing and they've gotten a lot of really good players as a result of that the one thing outside of the the patience part of this that would frustrate me i do think his view of receivers is not the same one that i have that is the one position where it's like, I just want you to care about this a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. That's the that's really the only spot. Yeah. Outside of that, I can get on board with the way they value guys. And yep. Even though I think people frame the, them finding all these stars at non-high-value positions as they don't value the high-end positions. Yeah, I don't get I don't that. think that's right. Yeah. I, I just don't think they found guys at those spots. Yeah. He's drafted a million pass rushers. Yep. None of them have hit. That's that's been the problem. Yep. It's not valuing those spots. I mean, Michael Pittman was a top top thirty five pick. You know, I mean, they've gotten they've went to, out to get those guys. Paris Campbell was a second round mm-hmm. pick. I just don't think they've hit in the same way on those high value positions as they have on what we call some like the secondary positions. Yeah, the non so that's the only premium thing. positions. Yeah, yeah non premium. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah. I, I I do I just I'd, I'd I rather really hit on them than not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like much right sitting there play. and just letting it come to you. Yep. There is such value in that. Yeah. Not beating yourself. There is such value in that. And I want to believe that if they were to ever get the quarterback, and, and I, I, I want to believe that if they were to ever get the quarterback, would there be like a tiny bit more aggressiveness where it's like, all right, we're going to push now. Yeah. Like we are going to push now. If they, a year from now, two years from now, after they move on from Matt Ryan, and they get a guy in the draft, or they go get a guy in the draft. Does that kind of change things? Because they've made aggressive moves. Mm-hmm. Like the DeForest Buckner trade yeah. is an aggressive move. And it was and a good so one. Was, is it just that yeah. they, if there are more spots that would be conducive to them doing it, would they do it a little bit more often? Yeah. Because he is steadfast in this. He has said this to me. He has said this to a million people. I'm not going to pay A-plus prices for B players. 
that and he's just not going to do it and it's never he's never done it and for the most part diving into free agency in that way is a bad thing yep. but i do not think that they have weaponized free agency in the smart ways that other teams have yeah you don't want to build the whole boat out of it but you can have no. like a sail or a, yes <laughs> or an oar yes when your sail <laughs> is broken go get a new one yeah exactly don't just you know get a smaller sail that's also has a hole in it <laughs> so Brian Gutekunst was seven for me, yeah. and I'll, I'll explain why. The Aaron Rodgers side of this is difficult. It's We talk about coaches and their influence on things. Having that quarterback at the centerpiece of all of this makes a lot of stuff look that good. That quarterback. That, exactly. <laughs> Having that quarterback makes a lot of stuff look good. That being said, I talk about process. The way they've built this thing and some of the ways they found players and the lot of really good players they found is undeniably impressive. I you easily could have been in my top five. You easily could have knocked a couple other guys around. I just think that the Rogers side of this, and again, a little bit lack of aggressiveness at certain spots, that's what knocked him down a little bit to me. But again, you could have flipped him in Ballard even. I mean, it's just I the Devondre Campbell signing, yeah. even got going to get a guy like Dennis Kelly for depth last yes. year, like smart little signings all over the place. The the first draft that they had, the first draft that he had, they were at 14. Okay. They trade back with the Saints. They get an extra first round pick. And they're now at 27. They go back up to 18. And all they have to do to go back up to 18 is give up a third round pick. So they get a future first and they give up a third to move back four spots. And they get Jair Alexander with that pick. And then they get an extra first the next year and pick Darnell Savage. Yeah. Like that's, that's chess. That yes. Yes. That is getting a lot of swings of the bat and also connecting <laughs> those swings of the bat. <laughs> well, that's that's why I like him is the just going off of that is all the first rounders. I mean, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, we both think yep. is gonna really emerge. He had a great second half of last year. I think I'm optimistic on Eric Stokes. Um, I'm optimistic. Already a useful player. Yeah. Already. I think at minimum, he's a good number two. And it might just be like a real, real, real good player. And on top of that, you know, they, they, it's the Packers. So, you know, obviously he's been ingrained in that line of thinking. So they, they the yeah. Packers, are, we're going to talk about mode and all the, like the, what sandbox all these teams play in. The Packers are going to do what the Packers do. They are at their own pace for everything. They're not going to take that receiver in the first round. So I actually do appreciate Maybe I want to say patience, but maybe just holding the holding their ground, drafting the two defensive guys in the first round this year from Georgia, um, handling the personalities also like Aaron Rodgers. It's a big part that, of it. I mean, he did not budge last year. He let Aaron Rodgers throw that hissy fit, and he every time he did an interview, he was cool, calm, never got into it. That matters too. You're a face, yeah, face it's really franchise. impressive. Yes, and also he had one high, head coach hire, and it was one that I. I was maybe a little lukewarm on when it happened. Matt LaFleur has been uh, been a huge home run swing, I think, just in handling not only Rodgers, putting with the offense, the staff that he put around, what he's done with the defense now, and just kind of adjusting and not just holding steady there. All those types of moves added up. Also finding guys outside the first round. Elgin Jenkins, MVS. Uh, I mean, those guys are useful players. They might not be – well, Jenkins is – MVS is that first draft. Same same, same draft that you made round. those moves for Jair. Yeah. I, I know MVS isn't like the star number two everyone wants. He's a good, useful player that they found in the sixth round. <laughs> they like, continue to do that. Yep. Even a little – letting Corey Lindsley go yeah. and drafting Josh Myers in the second round. Stuck and right just in. continuing to do it that way. Yep. I mean, there have been moves they made. I mean, the, I, I think the A.J. Dillon pick now, you look at what he is for that offense and what that offense is going to need to be. He's going to have a huge year. 
by the it, way. It's I, I actually am very okay with it. Yeah. But then you combine that with Aaron Jones' contract and yes. just some of the financial stuff they've deal with. But when you have so many good players, I mean, that becomes difficult. Aaron Jones is an an amazing person. Like not signing him and the message that that sends, and there's just yep. so many different things Rewarding to consider the there. Rewarding good things. Yes. Yes. And yes. yes. I easily could have had him higher. I yeah. just well, I mean, and the Jordan Love can't can't. We have to mention yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, but I, that part of that's not even the reason. I just yeah. think that it's – you could say I'm talking out of both sides of my yeah. mouth, the patience, with Ballard and with him. Ballard didn't have – he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to, like, help – Hit a week of Andrew float. Luck. <laughs> I, I just – it's difficult to know how that, how that patient approach works if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Yeah. I think it'd be fine. I think they found a, real, a lot of really good players. But it's just that Roger side of it. It's so it's why I can't properly appreciate Lafleur. It's just it's difficult for it me is. to extricate those things, and I fully admit that. And I fully admit he could be higher on this list. I know that's All right. that's a hard part about this. It's a hard part about giving credit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you had DaCosta at one. Yeah, is this is hard? This was hard though. My but I I I'm good with these guys as my one two. That was like that was not even a question. First two names I wrote down, and I was trying to look for other names to usurp them and yeah i couldn't really come up with anything so here's let me play devil's advocate yeah, yeah eric tacosta because we had the same fucking list all right the drafts have not been that impressive since he took over yeah okay so if you look at his draft picks and if we're trying to separate him from ozzy newsome all right his draft picks it was 19 2019 pick marquise brown in the first round this is his first pick other picks that year, Jalen Ferguson, Miles Boykin, Justice Hill, Ben Powers. They have like 24th round picks, not surprising. 2020, Patrick Queen in the first round, J.K. Dobbins in the second round. Neither of those have been hugely successful. Nope. Really no stars found after that. I mean, Matabuke has been a useful player. Devin DuVernay, I think, will play a lot for them mm. this year. Hit <laughs> four third round picks that year. It's unbelievable. Every time you look at these. 2021, they trade Orlando Brown. They get two first-round picks, Rashad Bateman, Odafe Owe. I think we're excited about both of yep. those guys and what they could be, but you know, it's not like they're superstars right now. So that those are the drafts mm-hmm. uh, and before this year's draft. And this year's draft, for as much as we liked it in the moment, you don't know. it's important to remember there are a lot of drafts that we've liked in the moment yep. that have not looked good later on. So I appreciate the way they approached this draft. Yep. And I think that is why he's so high on both of our lists. Because yes. I appreciate the way they approach everything. Yep. The way they do business is the way I would want to do business. Yes. And that is why he's number two on my list, and I assume number one on yours. That's exactly it. It's all process with them. It's some of these guys, yeah, it wasn't great like what they've uh, what what those picks turned out to be. But man, it just given all those opportunities and just all we talk about patience and maybe not even just long-term patience, but just, I think with them is just, you know, day in, day out, always trying to find ways to get the, make the team better, whether that is, okay, let's not sign some free agents. So we have the comp picks. Let's move back in the draft. So we get more picks. Let's just uh, um, also, and this might be Harbaugh, but also I'm going to give some credit, uh, credit just to the Ravens organization too, is always just trying to maybe change up their offense or defense to move on. And, and, where the where the league is shifting and like finding all those types of things and where what might be the next step. Uh, I also have to give some credit to the GM there because he's going to have a say on that. I mean, they have to sign off on those moves and those personnel moves for the coaches. So those types of things, it's all process. And I think that's why he's number one on my list. Yeah, some of the picks, 
like even even when they took like Hollywood Brown back then in 2019, I I, I hated it then because it's a smaller receiver. I, I'm never gonna like that, especially in the first round. So yeah, some of those things, you know, maybe take a Patrick first round King. pick for him. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a first round pick. We keep saying that they gave up a, a pick in the process, but they still got an extra first rounder as part of the pick, yeah. as part of that trade. But and I get and, it. It's that no one's perfect. They had Lamar Jackson. They're all excited. We gotta give him some weapons down the road, or you know, to throw to, and you know, maybe it just didn't turn out how they hoped <laughs> no panic none ever. no panic and you know, their offensive line last year okay they trade away orlando brown they get the extra first as part of the orlando brown trade offensive line looks bad ronnie stanley gets hurt villanueva is near the end of it you have a rotating cast at a bunch of different positions think man that's a disaster i've had to watch a lot group. of it in the last few days <laughs> look at it now yeah so they get that pick for orlando brown they signed Morgan Moses for next to nothing mm-hmm. while having that extra pick in the Brown trade. They draft fall away as potentially a developmental yep. replacement for Morgan Moses a year or two years from now. They have Kevin Zeitler, who they signed last year, yep. not in traditional free agency. He was released, so it doesn't affect the comp pick formula. They have Tyler and Obama. They just got Ronnie Stanley back. That offensive line could be good. Yep. <laughs> it yep. was a disaster last year. It could be good. And now that's not even considering the fact that they have Owe as part of this overall equation from the Orlando Brown trade. It's, so it's, always it's a two-year thing. Look, well, I'm sorry. When you look at like their R Lads page, you look at the depth chart, and then the backup offensive line were all the guys they drafted because that, yes. meant, that meant they're trying to accumulate depth. Not it, Yeah, you want those guys to start, but it's not bad. You don't want to see – you look at the Bears page, you see – CF, you know, college free agent. CF, 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 as opposed we to can bring that up. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, but but here you see Ben Cleveland might be their backup guard. He was a third round pick. You know, like it's just depth. Depth matters. They they're that's why they're able to withstand so many injuries last year. Is yeah, they signed guys off the street, but they at least had enough tangible players to kind of carry them through some weeks. And they've been aggressive. Yeah. Even though they're really patient and thoughtful with the way that they go about the draft and accumulating all of those picks. They went out and traded for Marcus Peters. Yep. They gave Marcus Williams that contract this year. They're not afraid to go do that every once in a while. And I think that aggressiveness and just not even just aggressive, proactive, proactive, the, the, yeah. how proactive yeah, they yeah. are with some of these moves. The Brown trade is a proactive trade, both Brown trades, the Orlando and Hollywood Brown trades are proactive. And I appreciate that. Yep. There's just Kalias Campbell. Again, I mean, they, they're constantly trying to figure trying. out how can we get better yep. and how can we maximize our opportunities yep. here. They're analytically driven in a way that I appreciate. Yep. I mean, just again, the results so far, he has not been as successful in the draft and with the players that they've hit on. But if I'm going to pick a guy to run it day to day, I would pick a guy. I mean, he is of the Ravens. Yeah. He, he's worked there since 1996. He, he was raised in that organization. He was picked as Ozzie Newsom's successor, what, five, seven years before he ultimately stepped away. I mean, this is a guy who has been groomed to have this job for a long time for a reason because I think he firmly believes in a lot of the tenets of that organization and the way that they've done business, and it's the way that I would want to. And I know fans of other teams sometimes get frustrated that the the praise that we heap on the Ravens, and and sometimes, yeah, yeah, we might go overboard with it, but – the process, that's what we want to keep talking about. And this is almost like quarterback play. It's process-driven as opposed to results-driven. It's like, yeah, it might be a little lukewarm right now, but so many things that the Ravens do, you understand why they did it. It's not like a squint and go, yeah, okay, I can see that. It's so much that's an easily you look at it and go, okay, that makes sense why you did that. And that's a guy that I would want handling my team. 
where it's it's finding any edge that you can, but having enough, you know, real football background to kind of like take advantage of that, if that makes sense, and understanding where the league landscape is. I think a lot of teams and a lot of decision makers will get in their own bubble. And I think we all do this. If you're just covering one team, if you just follow one team, you can get your own bubble. Now imagine being in charge of that. I always thought that the Ravens had such an awareness of where the NFL landscape was. And I think that yep. just starts at the top. And uh, that's that's why and I know we're going to talk about this next guy who I think is the exact same way, has that same mindset. So, But I just think that's such a quality to have. Why is Brandon B number two for you? Man, this was, I know, now I've talked it out because I, I don't know. I, I really, really like what Bean has done just with everything. They're the yes, model. They are. I mean, it's, it's, it's like point blank. They are the model for how to, to do this right now. And I really, it's just not too They've much. They've traded up a few times in the draft in ways that probably were not smart. Yeah. And their first round picks have not okay. been home runs so far. Yeah. Even when they were picking a little bit higher. You know, Ed Oliver is a fine player, but he's not a superstar by any stretch. So they're, the, the guys they've gotten in the draft have often failed to turn into stars, yep. like star level players during his tenure. That's really that and the trades up are like the only things you can really criticize. Yeah, because again, we're talking about awareness. And this is another guy. Well, okay, when they came in and we talked about the podcast uh yesterday was with Mike Sando. By the way, Josh Allen is an exception to that. Josh Allen is like an Uber duper that, star. But so you move up for quarterbacks. That. That's the one yes. position you can you do. Can it. Move up for quarterbacks. That's fine with That's me. That's fine. Yes. You can always the maneuvering argue. they did to go get him yeah. and the way that they've developed him and yeah. they've surrounded him we can get into all of that, josh allen goes that's an exception on moving up for cody ford yeah. is different to me than moving up for josh allen josh allen goes to 25 other teams he's a bust like i mean that, that i mean seriously that's what it feels like that it's credit to what the bills put around him and again uh, self-awareness so understanding what their team was you talked about when they had to eat their vegetables on the podcast with sando and had the year where they had the dead cap year and okay we don't know what exactly what we are but they came out of it that was a plan that was a process even like little small stuff like this year like getting a retread like OJ Howard, like that's kind of nice. Roger Saffold, like just these guys that, you know, little, little tiny deals, but then also having vets that on maybe have a longer term deal, like a Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde and get rewarded with good play. I think it's just, it speaks to pro scouting uh, and what their pro department is. And again, this is understanding what the NFL landscape is. It's understanding what skills these guys have and how can we use them? Wow. Our defense runs a lot of quarters. Well, let's get some. Let's get a couple safeties that are pretty good in quarters, and it's just understanding that it's it's not square peg rounding round holing it. I think there's so many GMs and decision makers that take the coaching influence, yes, but then don't understand how to utilize that. I think Bean and McDermott and their staffs and their the, just the staff that they have understands. Hey, we like this type of guy, and this is why. All right, can you find guys that like that are good for us, either in the draft or in the on free agency? And I think they do a great job with that. And, I mean, they've hit on some nice picks. Like, Tredavious White was a good pick. A guy like Matt Milano. Um, I mean, of course. Deion Dawkins. They got a starting Dawkins, tackle yeah. in, in the in the second round the way that they they've did. They've hit on enough it's picks. It's a really nice yeah. pick. I mean, even like, I mean, Wyatt Teller letting him go was a mistake. Okay. I mean, that's really one of the only other mistakes. But uh, Teron Johnson's been a useful player for them in the slot. Yeah. You know, Dawson Knox was really good for them last year. Really improved. It, Gabe Davis looks incredible. I mean, he, another really good find for them. And well, look at their D line. Oh, real quick, sorry, real quick. But look at their D line. And yes, yes, they didn't have those stars, but the fact that they could go too deep at every spot—that speaks. Look how different it is now. Yeah, that—that's what I like. Is that we're talking about being proactive. Yep. Their willingness to churn areas of this roster and like, how can we get this much better? Yep. 
just little little How can we tiny go from things. Above average to good or average to above average. Find one more guy here. Yep. Like swap out this for that. I, I love that. And they've done that so consistently on the offensive line, on the defensive line, at receiver, they've been willing to go through guys. Yep. I mean, the guys that started this whole thing in 2019, when they signed John Brown and Cole Beasley, great. Mm-hmm. Like exactly what you should do yep. at that point. Mid-tier free agents, guys making six, seven million bucks a year that can help foster the development. The types of, of guys the Jaguars should have gone after. But <laughs> Though they're not there anymore. Yep. Those guys are no longer there. Now it's Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, who they got at the right time sequencing of who they wanted to be. Yep. Got him while he was on a contract that he had signed. So he was relatively cheap for the first two years they had him on the team. Just all that kinds of stuff. And I mean, the Stefan Diggs trade happens at the same time as the DeAndre Hopkins trade, where he goes for a little bit more, but DeAndre Hopkins makes a deal that yeah. people are still pissed about. And that was right as that Jamal Adams type trade was happening, where he went for two first round picks. So to get Diggs for one first round pick and then a little bit of change and have him be on a contract where you can absolutely live with it and you don't have to worry about signing him to an extension immediately, like that's an incredible deal. Yep. And they've remade what their skill position players look like now. They went out and got James Cook in the second round. He's going to be a nice little piece for them in whatever yep. pass-catching role he's going to fill. The amount of dice rolls they've taken along the offensive line, the way they've weaponized free agency but never spent big in free agency. Yeah. That's what I like, yep. except now. So... That I understand. They understand their window. In this moment, and that's what. where does it come in the sequence of who you're trying to be? Yep. And I think that they've stretched themselves a little thin with the Von Miller deal, yep. but it's like, you know what? we got to go for it at some yeah. point. It's like at some point, we got to see if we can get ourselves yeah. over the top. Yep. And if they're willing to, the owners are willing to spend the money and we could put 10 void years on the end of it and yep. whatever, let's go for it. Yep. And that's what they did. It's not theory. And I think it's not like, oh man, maybe down the road, this guy will come available and we'll, we'll strike then. It's like, screw it. We have an opportunity right now. Let's go for it. It's understanding the window. It's under, it's self-awareness. It's so much of the, like those free agency signings, especially when they first got in there, that speaks to, again, understanding of the league because it's easy to go, oh, well, these are the three big money guys. Finding the middle-class guys that are not just like, just yes. cannon fodder and are actual tangible starters like that. That takes effort because you actually you have to watch a lot of guys. We do our free agency show. We're wiped <laughs> when we do it. Now imagine doing the scouting, being in charge of a scouting department, and actually have to negotiate these deals. So I think that speaks to them. And again, understanding the league and watching these teams and watching these guys on other teams and going like, okay, that if that guy comes available, we'll give him the right price. He can start for us, or he can be our backup guard, or he can be our rotational end. He could be our you know nickel corner or safety like understanding that it really just speaks to him and also the pro scouting staff that they have. Shaq Lawson is third on their edge depth chart right now. Good start for teams. Yeah. That's funny. That's, I mean, I mean that's that, that. That's what this team is right now. Yep. Yep. And they, so he signed a three year, $30 million deal two years ago. And now he's third, third. on their depth chart. Yeah. I mean, it's, they have a lot of really one, one year, 1.2 million. Obviously he's not, yep. there's a reason for that, but at the same time, it's like, they're not signing him to that three-year, $30 million deal. Nope. No. So I, I just – it's really hard to argue with how they've done this. And finding Allen and putting the right pieces around yep. him and, again, just figuring out what the support system needed to look like along the offensive line and in the receiving core to bring him along. It, it's it's one of – there's a reason that they're the success story yeah. of the last three or four years. Oh, there's a reason for it. A lot of these guys we've talked about 
oh, they, they went through a rebuild or understanding patience, or they understood that, that when to be aggressive. What's cool with Bean and McDermott and what, what the Bills have done, we've gotten to see both already. We got to see the rebuilding process, and now we're seeing the the contender mode and what they do in yeah. contender mode, which is cool. We're talking about how Bowers so patient, so we've gotten to see that mode. What does he look like in aggressive mode? So it's kind of cool to see what Bean does in, aggre- in aggression mode, and so far it's been pretty cool. All right. I'm sure no one will have thoughts about this list. None. None. <laughs> None whatsoever. That was really fun. It was. Yeah, that it, uh, really fun and also just useful. Yeah, I, I think really telling, and I, I think I learn you learn a lot when you yeah. think about it in this way. So I'm very glad that we did that. I agree. I agree. It's it's also fun just looking back and going like, wow, we've had a lot of new GMs in the last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's not that many you can pick from nope. that have been there for multiple years. I mean, it's really like 16 guys yeah. that you can, and then <laughs> Kevin Colbert's gone now. Yep. I mean, a lot of different things to consider. So. That was great. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I would really appreciate it if you did that. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. What are you writing right now? I am writing about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens passing Ooh, game a little bit. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson yeah. next week on the podcast. So it, it's all working. If you're listening all this working Friday, together. yeah, June, it'll, it'll be coming out the day that you're listening to this or hopefully listening to this unless you're listening on the weekend. So... Please check out Nate's piece about Lamar Jackson. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can read about that. We will be back next Tuesday with our next mailbag. Shilka Potty is going to be joining us. I'm very excited about that. In the meantime, please enjoy your weekend. I don't know if it's nice by you. It's really nice by me. So I'm very excited to get outside. I'm going to do some yard work today. Oh, man. man. Getting old. Looking forward to yard work. That's where we're at. Got any new appliances? (laughs) Any new tools? No, no, no tools. I'm using my power washer today, oh. so I am looking forward to that. I'm using some tools. I'm just I didn't get any new ones for this. Yeah, I learned so. I learned last week that my wife had a power power washing attachment for her hose. That because I was like, man, I'm really gonna start power. I'm gonna go to Home Depot again. She's like, I have one. It's like I've just been staring at it for months without <laughs> even realizing the tools I have. We're putting the uh, we're putting the roof deck furniture. Ah, nice. We're putting, putting the cushions on today and all Very that nice. stuff. Probably could happen when we were gone. It was nice enough, but we've been gone for like 10 days. So it's time. It's and time. I'm very excited to do that. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.